Okay, I want to set the scene for you here. You are seated in the Paramount Theater in downtown Abilene, Texas. It's one of those 1920s Art Deco theaters that's been fully restored. It's a it's a beautiful theater. The house lights have just been turned off, indicating that a show is about to begin. You're here to see the Abilene Ballet perform Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker. Now you can see some movement on the stage and what appears to be a gathering of little ballerinas ranging from age four to maybe eight years old. Coming out to begin Act One with Air Stahlbaum. It's still very dark as the music begins. And you can see the children on the stage. Some are starting to dance, but they are lit only by the dim glow of emergency exit signs. Oddly, no lights have come on yet. It's still very dark, and we're now a few bars into the song. Some of the children on the stage are doing their little ballerina moves, but others are just standing still and looking around, waiting for the lights to come on. We're a good minute or minute and a half into the music now, still playing with no light. We got nothing. Folks are now starting to fidget around in their seats to indicate that most of the audience now knows that there's a problem, some type of technical problem. The stage stays dark the theater stays dark there's obviously something bad wrong as instructed on my headset by the director i fade the music out and the theater is plunged into both awkward silence and awkward darkness now as the folks in the audience await an announcement or a fix to the issue we're all begging for light of some type Let there be light. And then breaking the awkward silence comes a voice near a microphone. It's it's not like on a microphone, but you can tell the voice is near a microphone. It's a female voice. It's the voice of the director of the Abilene Ballet. Her voice is anguish, disgusted, not pleased. I'm running sound for this event. I'm at the console, and I think she's about to make an announcement, so I push the level of her microphone up, and I can tell she's not really on the mic. She's kind of maybe holding it away from her mouth, so I turn the volume up pretty loud, and uh, well, then her voice echoes over the loudspeakers (laughs) with a message we were not quite ready to hear. What the f***? is going on with these guys i'm going to kill someone get these lights turned on silence now reverberates through the room that was a message not meant for broadcast those who have been shuffling around in their seats have now taken a completely frozen stance as they await a follow-up announcement or maybe more cussing. Suddenly, though, thankfully, the house lights come on, and that light feels a bit like sweet relief. Several folks in the audience even begin applauding as the house lights start to warm up and regain their brightness. And finally, out comes the director onto the stage, 
holding the microphone with a uh, a painfully manufactured smile on her face as she explains. Our apologies, folks. It seems we're having some technical issues tonight. We're going to reset and restart the show soon, and I thank you for your patience. Please stay in your seats, and we will begin the show shortly. She exits stage left, and I sit in the sound booth on what was supposed to be one of the easiest gigs I've ever had. I'm merely hitting play on a cassette deck. Yes, a cassette deck. And then I push the faders up to the appropriate sound level for the music, and then my only other job is to control the microphone that this lady took to so eloquently cuss on. I am dying with laughter right now, shaking violently. I cannot believe what is happening. This show is spiraling into the pit of hell, and I'm tangentially on board. So I rewind my cassette deck, cue up the music, and await further instructions on my headset. But all I can hear on my headset are the communications of the technical crew, and it's essentially, at this moment, a barrage of profanity, screaming and yelling. The two guys up in the booth where the lighting console sits are two guys that I've worked with for quite some time now, but they've never been in charge of a show. They've always been capable stagehands that I've worked dozens and dozens of shows with in Abilene and the surrounding areas. But they're taking a step up to the next level now in terms of being the lighting directors and lighting designers for the Abilene Ballet production, and opening night has just crashed and burned horribly. I'm literally howling with laughter as I await for them to sort out their problems, but I can tell things up there are a mess. Eventually, a sense of mercy overcomes me. I start up some music to play softly over the speakers while the lighting crew engages in their cage match and seeking to offer whatever help I can muster, I sneak out the back of my sound booth and up the spiral staircase into the booth above me where the lighting crew sits. I just have to witness this fiasco firsthand. And when I arrive in the room, everyone is running in several different directions, trying to figure out why their lighting console is not bringing up the stage light. There's no power. There's no control. There's no idea why. There's no nothing. Now, at this point in my college career, I've worked on a lighting and sound crew for several years, and I know my basic way around a lighting console. Obviously, I'm far more adept with the audio portion of the show, but I lean over their console and give it a look-see. Maybe I'll see something that they don't. And I start with the simple look, the first place I would look. Let's take it into a big picture here. Hey, The master key to the console is in the off position. This master key is like a safety mechanism. You can turn the master key off and take it with you. And if you do that, you've completely disabled the lighting console. You do this if you want to leave the arena, leave the venue, and you don't want anyone messing with the lights. So I immediately say, guys, hey, look at your master key. It's off. Your entire lighting console is offline right now. You need to turn your master key on, and then you'll have control over your stage lights. So out of a panicked response, one of the guys reaches up, grabs the key immediately, and turns it to the on position right away. 
Well, at this point, these guys have been trying to get something to work on the stage, anything to work, and they have every light on their console pushed up to 100% brightness. And when that master key hit the on position, it looked like we landed a spaceship on the stage. Every light on the rig went to 100% full power. (laughs) It was hilarious. The crowd gasps in shock, or possibly because of severe retinal pain. And then they erupted in applause. Oh yeah, baby, we have lights now. So our adept and intrepid lighting gurus, they immediately hit the button for scene one and the lights reset themselves for the opening of the show. Hey, we're ready for the sugar plum fairies. At this point, they can take the master fader and pull the stage lights down, confident that we can now turn off the house lights, start the music, and begin the show. Now, this is one of a series of unfortunate live lighting and sound disasters I've witnessed around Christmas time. There was always a lot of Christmas shows and Christmas pageants going on, and this is one of the funnier moments I've seen because I've never been to a ballet that started off so poorly. No lights, the director cussing over a microphone, and then we were blinded by every light being hammered to 100%. It was a good bit before we finally regained our footing and we were able to reset and start the show. Now, surely things get better, right? The following year, I moved over to the Christmas show at the Abilene Civic Center. Now, this is a production of the First Baptist Church of Abilene, the largest church in town. And I've been here for about two days doing rehearsals. Things are going really well. This performance is a bit more complex. There's a live band in the orchestra pit. There's a very large choir. There's about a dozen actors with lavalier mics. And there's a four or five handheld mics that singers are using for solos. Yeah, a lot of microphones, a lot of inputs, a lot of scenes, a lot of audio cues. It's a very big production. Far cry from the Nutcracker where my main job was hitting play on a cassette deck. During our rehearsals, we were rehearsing a manger scene several times where little kids were going to line up and march by a manger that held the baby Jesus. And during the manger scene, we were told there are going to be some live animals being brought out onto the stage by some of these little kids. Yes, there would be livestock. There were to be baby goats, baby lambs, baby cows, baby llamas. You get the idea. And they would be leashed up and guided onto the stage by these young children for the scene in Bethlehem with the baby Jesus where Mary and Joseph gather around the manger. However, the livestock for logistic purposes were not used during any of the rehearsals, not even the dress rehearsal. No, the livestock would make their first appearance on opening night. And here we are. Let's set the scene. You're in the Abilene Civic Center watching the story of Jesus' birth. Thus far, we've avoided any calamities like last year where we threw the ballerinas into the darkness and got cussed at. Things are going very well. The show looks great. Everything sounds great. I'm nailing all of my audio cues. The house mix sounds beautiful. The lighting designs look beautiful. Everything is going just as planned. It, it literally could not be better. And here we come to the manger scene. And the band begins playing a number. 
The children are queued up stage left and some cowboys from a ranch somewhere around Abilene are starting to guide the livestock out of the parking lot, through the side doors of the Civic Center, and toward the stage. Again, everything seems to be going well. The livestock seem to be behaving. Everything is okay, right? However, livestock have hooves. And hooves work great on grass. They even work well on carpet, believe it or not. They work well in a parking lot because the concrete is rough and abrasive with a lot of grip. But one place where hooves do not work well, they actually don't work at all, is on a wooden stage that's been waxed and sanded and polished to within an inch of its life. And at the moment their hooves hit this wooden stage, the animal realizes it has no traction, and without traction, the animal wants to go no further. So the animal locks its legs, all four legs, and it just refuses to move. And now at this point, you you can't blame the children because they're doing what you would do with a pet dog. If you took a dog on a walk and the dog won't move, you pull on the leash, you begin tugging on the leash, you begin tugging a little harder, and eventually the dog will get up and start walking and moving with you, right? Well, at this point, the animals are not only fearful of moving forward, But as they get pulled forward, they decide they want off of this wooden floor. And so they start trying to go in reverse. So here you have a child pulling forward on a leash and the animal is trying to go backwards and the hooves on a wooden floor have no traction. And what happens next was a total Charlie Foxtrot. Once one animal started going crazy, they all started going crazy. Immediately, a goat and a llama started flopping around. The goat landed on its side with a big thud, and all the other animals are flailing around as well. And then the goat managed to flip itself right off the front of the stage and into the orchestra pit. It almost pulled the little kid off the stage with it, but luckily, the little kid let go of the rope, and the goat lands right on top of one of the trumpet players. This calamity immediately stopped the music as the musicians in the pit started running for safety. Hell, who could blame them? From their vantage point, it was raining livestock. So now we have a goat in the pit going out of control, kicking and flailing around. There's chairs going everywhere. There's music stands flying around everywhere. There's sheet music flying around in the air. And the musicians are trying to escape for their safety and the safety of their expensive instruments as well. This poor trumpet player, he fights his way out of the pit and literally collapses up front. I can't tell if he's had a heart attack or if he's just physically exhausted, exasperated, shocked to the point where he can't move. In my headset, I hear the director. Go house lights, we have an emergency. Go house lights, we have an emergency. I immediately pull all my faders down to mute all the microphones. I've learned my lesson. Someone's about to start cussing. Some of the wranglers and some of the parents start trying to do damage control. They're trying to get control of the animals, calm them down, and get them out of the Abilene Civic Center. Back outside, back into the trailers, and back to the ranch after what is now an unplanned intermission. One brave rancher has to go down into the orchestra pit to get this damn goat under control, wrangling it like a cowboy. Even the audience members in the first two or three rows are heading for the safety of the lobby. It was sheer mayhem. 
These days it would have been on YouTube within five minutes, but I don't think I ever even saw video of the event. I think we had one Baptist deacon with a VHS camcorder set up somewhere, and he alone has that tape. Deacon, we need you. That tape needs to be seen. Well, we were eventually able to reset and continue the Bethlehem scene, only this time the kids passed by the manger as mere observers rather than shepherds of livestock. And once again, tears of laughter are just running down my face at the sound console. This tops the nutcracker by a mile. Out of control livestock in the orchestra pit? You can't make this stuff up. And here I am, watching it with my own eyes. Now, one more story. And I must apologize because in my mind as I was thinking of these, I thought this one happened at Christmas, but it's an Easter pageant. It's an Easter pageant in Dallas, Texas at the World Trade Center. A performance by the First Baptist Church of Dallas, a mega church, a church so mega that their Easter pageant is performed at the World Trade Center, a huge facility. And once again, I've been working for a few days, setting up and doing the rehearsals, doing the dress rehearsal. Everything is going great. The show looks amazing. Again, I'm having to deal with a lot of microphones and a lot of audio cues, but I'm getting through everything just fine. Opening night arrives and I'm at the console. I'm set up and ready to go for the show, feeling very confident. The calamities of the last two years and Abilene itself are in my rearview mirror. Now, one thing, remember, it's still the late 80s, and CDs, believe it or not, weren't that easy to get a hold of. There were a few sound effects that I had to play during the show, but just like the Nutcracker, they were going to be played from a cassette deck, and my first effect is during the crucifixion of Jesus, where we have a fantastic recording of a thunderstorm set to go with lighting effects for the lightning that will coincide. It looks and sounds incredible, and we're very excited about it. Well, opening night begins, and we're about five minutes into the show, and I noticed a lot of activity right in front of my console. It's an area that we had roped off because there are a lot of wires and cables in this area, but a family has come in late, and they have found some chairs, and they're, they're one of those kinds of families where the rules, they, the rules just don't apply to them. And since they're late, they need to be accommodated. And they're taking down the ropes and the mom and dad are sliding five chairs into the area so that their family can take a seat. Yeah, they are in the same area we have roped off. A lot of power cables, a lot of audio cables, a lot of cables in this area. And to add insult to injury, this family is one of those families that takes up a lot of space. You know what I'm saying? It's just a family where... Everyone occupies a a large amount of space, and I just knew something was going to get unplugged. In fact, I'm yelling over my console, you can't sit there, you can't sit there, but the mom and dad are giving me go-to-hell looks during the middle of an Easter pageant hosted by the First Baptist Church of Dallas. They're giving me the go-to-hell look. Well, I start doing an assessment. I haven't lost any microphones. My console still has power. My communications packs still have power. Everything I can see around me still lit up and ready to go. And the show continues to run without a hitch. And obviously, the culmination of this show, the apex, is going to be Jesus' crucifixion on the cross. 
And as my cue comes for the thunderstorm, I reach over to my cassette deck and I notice something. Yep, you got it. I notice my cassette deck now has no power. I knew it. Mama June sitting up in front of me has somehow managed to unplug my equipment rack and there will be no thunder playing from my cassette deck this evening. My boss, who is also the lighting director, is looking at me with a stern look, waiting for me to roll the sound effects so he can cue the lightning. He's thinking I've missed my cue. And I'm looking at him, and I say, no power. I have no power. And he's looking at me as if to say, I don't care if you don't have power. Do something. So what comes to mind? I have a talkback mic, a little handheld microphone that I use during rehearsals to communicate with the cast and the crew on stage. I can talk to them from the front of house mix position and my voice goes through the monitors on the stage and they can hear me easily. It's a heck of a lot better, heck of a lot easier than me having to shout across the floor of the World Trade Center. So I assign this microphone to not just the monitor speakers, but the main speakers as well. I push that fader up full throttle for max volume. I grab the low frequency boost knob and I turn it full to the right and I cup my microphone over my mouth and I start doing my best impression of a thunderstorm while my boss is hitting the lightning effects on the stage. Yep. It sounded about as bad as you think it would. It didn't sound like thunder at all. It just sounded like some guy making sound effects with his mouth trying to mimic thunder. Well, we got through the scene. I ran around front, dug around in the darkness under Mama June's ass trying to find my power cord. There it was, wrapped up around her handbag. And I'm telling her, this is why you're not supposed to sit here. You've unplugged our equipment. And I finally dig my power cord. It's all wrapped up around her big ass handbag and I get it plugged back in and we're able to continue the show as planned but immediately upon the conclusion of this opening night performance I see the director of the First Baptist Church and he's making a beeline across the floor directly towards our front of house position he was not happy he was not happy at all I don't blame him either yeah in his mind we should have had a backup plan, and maybe we should have, but we didn't have a plan for Mama June to come in with her family and wedge themselves into the space that was roped off in front of our soundboard, and we took extra precautions so it wouldn't happen during our subsequent performances, but once again, my boss and I, man, we had tears of laughter rolling down our cheeks during this fake thunderstorm. The look on his eyes as I was imitating thunder on that microphone is one I will <laughs> I will never forget. And man, our laughter when it was over and the scene faded to black was one I will never forget as well. We could hardly get through the following scenes because we were laughing so hard. Three years in a row, three calamities in a row. I was done with live sound at this point. And I moved to Nashville for the safety of the recording studio where things work in a bit more controlled environment. Or do they? Of course not. And there will be more stories to come from the music business as well. Though I can't think of one where we had livestock in the studio flopping around and crapping all over the studio floor, but 
More soon. More to come. All right, that's going to wrap us up for this week. This is episode 10 of The Man on the Move, and I thank you for listening. Tune in next week. We're going to wrap up the year. We're going to wrap up what we'll call season one. Everyone is talking about all the things you should buy, the best of 2023 or the hot new buys for 2024. I, however, am a contrarian. So I will be telling you three things you should not be buying as we head into the new year. That's right. Three things you should not be buying as we head into the new year. But in the spirit of buying and in the spirit of capitalism, I will be telling you about a stock I have found, a stock that I have bought, and it's a stock you might want to buy as well. So tune in. We'll wrap up 2023 in that regard. Now, music here by Colehead. Be sure you check him out on Spotify. Thank you again to the lovely Brooklyn Addison at Rhomboid Media for setting me up with the podcast. And as always, remember, you've got to get out there. You've got to get on the move. You've got to stay on the move. You've got to get with the man on the move. I will see you next week.